Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. Boom! This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in. Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. Hello, champion, and welcome back to the Everyday Saturday podcast. Hey, uh, today's going to be a longer episode, just heads up. So if you're used to the old 8 to 10 minutes, uh, this one's going to be maybe even much longer. No idea. I'm going to grip it and rip it, but I want to take you back. If you've heard the Quizno story before, uh, there'll be some new elements added to it. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, uh, I bought a Quiznos franchise back in 2004 and lost it, went bankrupt, lost 300 grand. It was absolutely cataclysmic type failure, but there were so many lessons learned. And that's why I want to take you back to that story. So even if you've heard it, if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you're still going to, you're going to laugh, uh, maybe cry. I know I did. And I'm not even kidding. Like I really did cry. And I, my kids, I don't even think my kids have ever seen me cry, man. I was in a bad place back then. So let's go buckle up. Enjoy the ride of today's show. So the story starts, it was September of 2004. I was running our division here in Cincinnati, $90 million advertising division. Uh, had risen up the corporate ladder 15 years with the company. I started in telephone sales making $9,900 uh, salary back in 1990. Dialing and smiling, baby, with a target of $21,000. And then I got promoted into outside sales and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, relocated to Cincinnati. There was a stint in North Carolina in between there and High Point in between. But found myself in Cincinnati in uh, Halloween of 1997. My wife, my fiance, Angela at the time, now my wife of 25 years. We relocated to Cincinnati from Buffalo, New York. I was in sales and then I uh, transitioned into management in 2000. And then within four years, got promoted three times running the entire division. So I had about 80 direct reports or so. Um, so... In September, I remember um, it was a fall. It was one of those types of years where it's really cool in the morning, like 50 degrees, and then you know, really nice in the afternoon. Just the the fall in Southwest Ohio is absolutely gorgeous. You get, you know, the trees, the colors of the trees, the cool mornings, the warm afternoons, the cool evenings, the bonfire. Just great time to be in Ohio. So. Uh, we had just entertained for an entire week a Japanese contingent who wanted to come over and kind of model our, our business plan. And being the, the head honcho at the time, I had to, you know, go out to all these dinners every night and entertain them during the day and talk and be in meetings. And now that you know what I'm about, can you imagine me being in a meeting every day for five days, going to these rubber chicken dinners and then having a oh, 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 hi, ha, 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 fake laugh through dinner and things like that about stories I didn't even care about, business I didn't care about. And um, I kept a good poker face, you know. And look, these are really great men and women from Japan. Super, super nice. Very, very knowledgeable. I mean, just great people, man. I learned a lot about their, uh, their culture. I'll give you a funny story. Um, I was prepped before they came 
that the business card exchange in Japan is like sacred. When somebody hands you your business card uh, from Japan, you stare at it and you examine it. I mean, like it's a fine diamond, you know, and then you shake their hand and it's a sign of respect. And I was prepped on this. Like, Sam, when you do the business card exchange, there's like 12 people in the room. You go through each person. You shake their hand. They give you their business card. You give them your business card. And you both stare at it and examine the business card. And then you acknowledge it and you move on to the next person. Cool. So what do you know? The first person, the head guy from their organization, uh, hands me his business card. There's like 12 people lined up, almost like a greeting line. And I'm the first one through. Because uh, it goes by level of hierarchy. So the highest ranking person in each organization goes first. So it was me and this other gentleman from Japan. And he hands me his business card, and I put it in my back pocket. And I move on to the next person. And he's staring at mine. I'm like, oh, good. I had one job. I had one job, and it was to examine his bit. So I pulled it immediately out of my back pocket and went back to him and stared at it. And he's looking at me as anybody would. I mean, just like I had, you know, four heads at this point. Like, who's this clown they let in that, you know, doesn't even know the the ritual here. So anyway, that was a funny story. So we entertained him, and it was Friday night. It was a long week, and I had taken the following week off. And I normally don't take a week off, but I needed a week off. we just come off a long sales campaign. I was dog-tired. I had this week of entertaining to do. And so... I remember uh, waking up Monday morning of the following week, and I, just, I had the entire week. And I set up a lawn chair in my front yard, and I had a sprinkler at the time. And I literally, I was just, I was like, you rang water out of a wet towel. I was just sitting there on a Monday morning, just exhausted, and just watching my sprinkler. Like, and I'm just staring at it. And I'm, I'm literally watching the grass grow. That's what I was doing. And I, I was in, it was 70 degrees, sunny morning. And I'm just staring there thinking, there's got to be a better, there's got to be a better life. I mean, I was 36 years old at the time. Yep, 36 years old at the time. I felt like I was aging like a president. And I had this nice house, a little McMansion in a cul-de-sac. We had two girls now under the age of four. Um, and I wasn't seeing them at all. And I remember I, I grabbed the Cincinnati Inquirer, the newspaper, and I started looking through the classifieds, businesses for sale. And I used to look at the classifieds every Sunday because my Sundays consisted of, in the fall, watch football from, you know, one in the afternoon till the last game on ESPN till I barely fell asleep on the couch. And uh, then around three in the afternoon on Sundays, I'd start getting a pit in my stomach waiting for Monday morning to come along. And I just was dreading it. You know, it's no way to live life. I mean, it is absolutely no way to live life. Thank God there wasn't travel involved because if I had to think about Monday morning going to an airport through TSA, boarding, traveling, sleeping in a bed in a hotel, eating bad food, not exercising. Poor, I didn't exercise really at that time either. But thank God there's no travel involved. So anyway, I picked up the classifieds that morning, and there was this Quiznos for sale. And I'm like, oh, that sounds – I've had Quiznos. I, I like the taste of it. That seems like a good reason to start going down the rabbit hole. And so uh, I met with a business broker, and then he brought me into the store. And, of course, the store was on their absolute best behavior. It was clean. Everything looked great. Um, we went through the numbers. Um, I had my accountant look at the at the books, and he's like, eh. I, he goes, I know your work ethic. You could probably turn the store around. It was local. It was only a couple miles from my house. Uh, but it, it doesn't look great, but 
I mean, look, you're a hard, you're a hard working guy. I think you can do it. So I'm like, cool. So in January, 2005, a few months later, we closed on the deal, but I was still in corporate. So the existing manager of the store, not exactly, uh, a go-getter was, uh, managing while I was sitting in the corner office every day. And I'm telling you, man, I would get phone calls from this guy and he's like, Hey, we're out of tomatoes. I'm like, okay. I got pulled out of a meeting one time cause we were out of tomatoes. I'm like, okay, uh, go to Kroger. I don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to do here, man? You know, it's 11 in the morning. I'm in a meeting and go buy tomato. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. I'm like, okay. So just things like that. And of course the sales were not happening because there wasn't an active owner in the store. And there were other reasons. It just, the books weren't cooked when I looked at the numbers, but they just didn't reflect what was really going on. Put it to you that way. 100% my fault. 100% my fault. I should have, should have never bought the store, but I definitely should have done more due diligence, but I didn't. So as the months went on, the store numbers kept going down. I'm freaking out because you know, now I'm using my credit card and cash advances to keep everything afloat. And I got this high mortgage, this new house we just built. Like I've never had a house built in my life, had a house built. We're living in that. And I was freaking out, man. So on May 6, 2005, I quit my job. And I said, I'm going to go for my dream. Had to get up in front of everybody and give it like, what? what? My boss is like, what are you doing? You're running the largest division of the company, a six-figure salary stock. I'm like, yeah, man. I just never see my kids. My daughter wants every day to be Saturday, so I'm going to go for my dream, and uh, I'm going to dive into this Quiznos that I bought. He's like, oh, you bought a Quiznos? I'm like, yeah. You know, so didn't really tell anybody, but I think the cat was out of the bag with some of the other people in the office, and now he knows. He's like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. You're not committed. And let me tell you something. Once you're out of an office, they replace you instantaneously, and that's a good thing. Like, you can't be, if you're running a company, you can't be sitting around thinking about, the guy or girl who just left. It's like, hey, box it up, man. You're out. So uh, part of my training, which I hadn't done yet with Quiznos, was I had to spend, uh, I had to go to Denver, where their headquarters were, for a week, learn how to run the operations part. That was a requirement. You had to do that in your first year. Then you had to spend three weeks in a store, in a live Quiznos store, training store, where you worked the line. Like you made the subs, you rang people out, you swept the floors, you did it all. So I went to Denver, and then I came back and uh, went to Columbus, commuted every day, which is about an hour and a half from where I live, probably about an hour and 45 minutes. And uh, so I get there on a Monday morning, and prior to even being allowed to work in the store, you had to memorize all every ingredient of every sub, okay? Yeah. So did it get mayonnaise if it had tomatoes it never got mayonnaise i remember that i don't know why i remember it. so my wife was quizzing me with flashcards the night before of every sub and i got i probably got 20 percent of it right so i showed up the training store the next morning first thing this guy does uh he was an indian gentleman probably about five five and had the personality of a doorknob he just wasn't a very friendly guy and so he's like, okay, sit down, take your test. I'm like, okay. Took my test, bombed it. He's like, whoa, dude, you can't work in the store. I'm like, hey, homie, uh, I don't have a choice. This is my life now. I've got to get this training in or else I can't even run my own store back in Cincinnati. He's like, oh, boy. I go, you got to call the regional manager, and I'll take the test again in a week. Promise I'll pass, but I ain't leaving this store because you're either going to throw me out or something's going to happen. It ain't going to be good, but I am not leaving this store. He's like, well, you can't work here. I'm like, call the regional manager. 
So he calls the regional manager. I got the blessing. He goes, yeah, just let Sam work in there. Give him the test on Friday. So this was Monday. I had to take the test again on Friday. So my first day consisted of sweeping the floors, making the subs on the line with a couple of kids right there. And they wouldn't even let me make the subs. I was at... So the way Quiznos works is, at least at the time, I think Quiznos is still around. But, by the way, <clears throat> Subway wasn't toasting their subs at the time, so that was like our big angle, you know. We had toasted subs. And I remember my brother telling me one time, he's like, dude, Quiznos is expensive, man. I love you, but I'm, I, I ain't paying $2 more to run it through a toaster for 50 seconds. I'm like, yeah, all right, that checks out. So the only thing they would allow me to do was wrap the subs. That's all I could do. So when they came through the, came through the line, went through the oven, it came out, I wrapped them. And I wrapped them all wrong because... The cue's supposed to be facing up on the wrapper, and I never did it right. And this this Indian guy's yelling at me, and you're not wrapping them right. We're getting the customers wrong. I'm like, dude, I've been here 30 minutes. I mean, give me time. So that's kind of the way it was that whole first week, just doing everything wrong and getting yelled at. I'm thinking, I was just running a $90 million division, and now I'm being yelled at by this guy because the cue on the wrapper is not facing up. So as the week went on, they let me make the subs. Of course, I did those most of the time wrong. But it was all a learning process. I finally got it right. That Friday, I took the test again, passed it with flying colors, because on my commute home, I'd be glancing at the uh, flashcards, like tomatoes, onions, mayonnaise, you know, what gets this kind of meat, that kind of meat, what kind of bread. There's like six different breads. I mean, holy God, it's like studying for the medical exam or something. So anyway, that Friday I took it, passed, two more weeks, back and forth to Columbus, got the blessing, passed. Actually, me and the uh, me and the Indian dude, we hugged it out at the end. I think he ended up liking me, I think so. I found him to be kind of a really cool guy because I got to know him. And uh, he's a nice guy, but I guess he had to be that way too because, you know, you just you can't, you got to make sure people are prepared. So I get back to my store, and it's just hemorrhaging money, man. I mean, I'm running it. I'm doing everything I can. I'm going in, opening the store closing it, cleaning up, hiring, firing. And we're only talking, I mean, this was May of 05 when I quit my job. But around July, I saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, I've been in this thing seven, eight months now. It it, it, it ain't going to make it. I can't feed my family. I just, it's not going to work. And I was so stressed out. I was losing weight. I look at photos from back in the day, and I was a string beam. I had lost a lot of weight. I wasn't sleeping, and I wasn't happy. And all of this because of that Monday morning, I was just staring at my sprinkler thinking, I do not want a job anymore. So I actually went from the frying pan into the fire. And around August, uh, I remember I was, uh, it was after the lunch crowd left and I was cleaning up. My wife came in with our girls and she was pregnant now with our third child. So we had two children under four, another one on the way. And my wife's seven months pregnant. And she goes, what's wrong? I go, I say, Ange, I, I don't think I can make I, I This store isn't going to make it. She goes, what do you mean it's not going to make it? I go, it ain't going to make it. She goes, what are you going to do? I go, I don't know. She goes, look, I love you. I support you. Whatever you decide to do, don't kill yourself over this decision and what's going on right now. Man, I'll tell you, having a supportive spouse is that's 99% of this entrepreneurial journey. You've got to have the support. So I remember uh, a couple weeks later now, we're into like the beginning of August. I called the same guy back that I just told three months prior that um, I quit going for my dream, blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, uh, you looking for any sales reps? He goes, yeah, we're always looking for good people. You know anybody? I'm like, yeah, me. 
He goes, what are you talking about? I go, yeah, um, things just aren't working out here. He goes, what happened every day is Saturday. And you're going to go, I know. Uh, yeah, dude, look, I've got a kid, another child on the way in about less than two months. And I need health insurance because I was paying Cobra, which was like 1500 a month at premium just to keep my you know previous health insurance plan going. I go, I need health insurance, man. I, I can't afford a kid. And um, I, I'm, I got no money coming. I, I pretty much put my cards on the table. He's like, all right, let me make some calls. He goes, just sales, right? I go, yep, just sales. He goes, okay. So now granted, I was running the show. So now if they were to, and I, I thought it was a rubber stamp. It's like, oh, come on back. And here's another thing. There were, he goes, let me let me make some calls. I'll get to the point in just a second. He goes, let me make some calls. So he calls me back in a couple of days. He goes, yeah, uh, I think we can do it. Um, you're going to have to come back in though and give another presentation in front of everybody about why you're back. I'm like, okay, makes sense. I mean, I mean, the big guy leaves and now he's coming back to start where he was 15 years earlier. Yeah, I get it. I get it. He goes, and you're going to have to report, you know, to your first level supervisor. Now these were the people that reported to the people that reported to me. Okay. It was like three levels down on the food chain from when I left. So that was going to be awkward for them, not me. I was just in there to make money, get health insurance. And he goes, there's some reps that really weren't fans of yours. And that's the one that, that hurt. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what do you mean, man? I, I always got the highest satisfaction scores for management. He goes, yeah. And he named some reps. And let me just, I would never name a name on this podcast, but these were disgruntled, low-level salespeople, very rarely hit their quota, always had to have a warm blanket thrown around them to let them know everything was going to be okay. And then it made sense. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Those people, yeah, I know. So, look, man, I talk, you know, a piggy bank, it, uh, the, a piggy bank with only a few coins makes the loudest noise, right? A full one, you shake it, doesn't really make any noise. You get just uh, three or four nickels in there, and it rattles really loud. That, those are disgruntled people. You know, there's only a few of them, but they can make a lot of loud noise. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to deal with this. So I went back in, stood up in front of everybody. Hey, I'm back. You know, every day is Saturday is still a thing for me, but I, I love the organization. And I did. I really did love the organization. I liked the people. Um, I love sales. And I knew if I just got a chance to get back in, I would do great. And um, so the problem was, so I made that presentation. I came back. I'm sitting in a cubicle now and everybody's staring at me. They're like, what are you doing? I, go, I don't know. Just here. Don't mind me. Just here to here to work. And they're like, oh, wow, this is really weird looking at you in a cubicle. I'm like, yeah, might be weird for you. I'm, I'm all in now. And in the process, I was meeting. I remember uh, I opened up the Yellow Pages, and I called a local bankruptcy attorney. And I remember flipping open the Yellow Pages and going to the bees and searching for bankruptcy. And I remember I almost vomited, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I was so shook thinking that I was going to have to file bankruptcy, which was such a taboo word, man, in my lexicon. Like, I'd never in a million years even, I'd never had a reason to even think about it. So met with him. He's like, yeah, you're in trouble. Um, he goes, the bankruptcy laws are changing though. October 11th of 2005, it's going to be a lot harder. You're in a position now where I'd recommend you file a chapter 13, work out an arrangement, pay back your debtors a percentage. Uh, your credit's going to go absolutely south fast, like big, big old black mark for seven years. If you file chapter 13, 
but you don't have a choice. And he goes, uh, if you pay me the retainer today, I can get working on it. We can get you in front of the trustee in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, my God. I remember, okay. I made that decision. I came home, and that's when I just I lost it, man. I'm laying in bed. My wife's like, oh, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I just got to get through this. Like, this is, uh, this is a mental mind messery, okay? I don't even know what. And I just was, like, crying. I'm like, I can't believe it. I lost everything. What a stupid decision to buy that Quiznos. Oh, my God. I should have just went for my dream, and I wanted to be a public speaker. And, you know, she's like, oh, just get the health insurance. Our baby's going to be born soon, and she was on October 5th. So I filed my bankruptcy. on Paigey was born. Our third child was born October 5th. I filed bankruptcy October 11th, and that was it, man. That was the start of the rebuild. And it's so funny. Here's another side story. While we were in the delivery room, I get a call from work October 5th in the morning. Sam, we need an answer on this one account. I'm like, dude, I'm in delivery? He's like, yeah, I know, but we just need... I'm like, oh, my God, you people are relentless. Get a freaking life. I'm thinking to myself. I didn't say that to him. I'm like, hey, man, how about this? How about I spend time with my wife in delivery, and then when the baby's born, I'll call you back later in the day. He's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you have... I'm like, oh, my God, you people are such losers. So... Baby, Pagey was born. I call him back. Everything was fine. Didn't even need me that day, but it would re- reiterate in my mind. I'm like, all right, next time I leave corporate, there is no turning back. I got this one get out of jail free card. So I went on to absolutely crush sales quotas, made a hundred grand in the next nine months, just selling like a maniac. They actually had to change the comp plan because of myself and a few other really talented reps who just crushed it they're like whoa we're paying you too much money we got to change this midstream like oh that sounds fair yeah so then in april of 2007 was when i finally just was like i'm done i have it's been what 18 months or so quiznos bankruptcy now is in my rearview mirror look when you go through you're going to go through some bad times maybe you are right now you're either going into a crisis you're in the middle of one or you're coming out of one the more time you can put behind the bad stuff the the mending the healing your mindset, all that stuff starts to really come back, man. That energy level start, and my energy level was back, and I was ready. And so I remember in April of 2007, all these reps are jealous of me because I'm, you know, getting paid and I'm not really even working because you don't really. I mean, sales is the best part-time job you'll ever have. You make a hundred grand, you work a few hours a day. If you just know how to work and you know how to sell, you don't need to work eight hours. It's like kids don't need to sit in a classroom for eight hours. Yeah, you can get the work done in a couple hours. And it just caused all this like stupid jealousy and animosity and reps are talking about Crowley's getting special treatment. No, I'm just selling because I had to, you know. So I built my bank account back up, went into the boss and said, hey, dude, peace out. He said, what do you mean? I'm out. You guys take care. And I now, and I was podcasting at the time. And that's, you know, the whole story. People in the office were listening to my podcast. I caught one guy on speaker in his office listening to it, and he shut it down really quick when I walked in. I didn't acknowledge it, but I'm like, oh, cool, you're listening to my podcast. And at the time, I'm talking about how, how dumb it is to have a job. So it was basically blasting the people, the very people I was working with on my podcast, and that didn't go over well at all. There's just so much going on. But from that moment, I launched this podcast for real, like April of 2007. And I got after it. I was recording. I was interviewing people. Nobody even knew what a podcast was at the time. That's okay. 
I figured I'm going to blow through this other hundred grand I got or I'm going to die trying, man. But it was different. And it was different because I now had found my million dollar message. I now found my very own Saturday. I didn't find it with a Quiznos. That was a stupid decision. It was just dumb. 100% my fault. I was heading in the right direction, wanting to be an entrepreneur, but completely in the wrong area, like just not even close to where I should have been. I was just trying to still have that safety and security of a franchise while still having the independence of not having a job, and it, that wasn't me. This, this podcast you're listening to right now, this is what I started in April of 2007, full-time, getting after it, marketing, telling everybody about it. And that was the difference because I didn't have that same energy level 18 months prior to that. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't believe in myself. And so that's why I always talk about vision, action, results, belief. It starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get the vision, you take action, you get results, you start believing, and away it goes, man. This big flywheel starts turning. And I do not regret. So this is kind of a double, double-edged sword. I do not regret that Quiznos decision. Because we wouldn't be where we are right now, you and I. You listening to the podcast, me running the mastermind, you know, coaching, speaking on stages all over the world. None of this would have happened, in my opinion, without doing that, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid and buying a franchise. As dumb as a decision as that was, I would not be here without that really bad decision. So I guess it was a good decision. Um, and it showed me another thing, that you can fall far. I mean, you can fall like a meteor out of the sky and still come back. And by the way, you think everybody's watching? Nobody's watching. They are for a moment because everybody likes to see a car accident, right, in the side of the road. They all kind of rubberneck it and look. But after a while, they're not watching. And so you're all caught up in what everybody's thinking about you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So I wanted to share that story with you because there's always somebody listening who needs to know that there's still hope out there. Like You can still do this thing, but you got to get that vision that action, that results, that will fuel that belief. And man, I'm telling you, you're going to make some mistakes. That's okay. You might make some colossal ones like I did, but it's going to be all right because just keep the energy level high and stay focused on what you really, really, really love to do. And I'm telling you, man, that is such a recipe for success. So I hope this longer, much longer version of the podcast today found you in a good spot, planted a seed in good soil. All right, tell your friends about it, share it. Smash that five-star rating on iTunes. I sure would appreciate it. And when you're ready to launch your own million-dollar message, you and I jump on a Zoom call, all right? LaunchMyMovement.com. Let's do it, baby. Have the best day ever. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for. Amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram at Every Day is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar. Go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Every Day is Saturday podcast.